Blog Talk Radio. Double dip at Survivor Series last night. Did our pregame, and now we got reaction and previewing Monday Night Raw here. The best in pro wrestling talk. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. You can also check us out on Twitter, at the Ken Reedy Show is our handle over there. And our website, thekenreedyshow.com. You go over there. We got blogs. We got uh, info. We got a whole bunch of stuff over there. We got pictures. So check out the website. That's the Ken Reedy Show. Dot com Got lots of stuff to talk about. Very interesting pay-per-view last night. Um, as always, we got tag team partner on the line. Dave is here. Dave, how are you doing this fine Monday evening? Like you said at the top of the top of the program, I'm ready to double dip my chip on some wrestling talk. So uh, let's get right down. Let's get right down to it. Lots of interesting stuff. Before we get into the whole Survivor Series thing, I just let you guys know we're getting into our year-end awards, and we're doing it a little differently this year. We're starting off with a nomination process to come up with our final ballot. So far, we have determined that Indie Promo of the Year, the three nominations are going to be House of Hardcore, BWO, and CTWE. And we finalized um, our Indie Wrestler of the Year. And this is an interesting category, Dave, because Steve Off, Ray Ray Mars and Preacher uh, all winning out for nominations for Independent Wrestler of the Year. Uh, All three guys have wrestled uh, in the BWO. Uh, So the BWO fans definitely coming out strong and supporting their guys uh, as far as voting and getting BWO nominated for Independent uh, independent Promotion of the Year. And uh, we got some uh, BWO guys. They also wrestled in in other promotions. We've seen... uh, Steve Off and Ray Ray also on Wrestling on Fire. They wrestled around this area. Interesting group of guys there. I mean, Steve has been a real good friend of the show for a long time. Talented individual. Uh, crazy cast of characters on The Gun Show. Um, Ray Ray Mars, my broadcast partner at times for Wrestling on Fire. A very good worker. Good on the mic. Actually, this past Friday had a match with Mo Sexton. And uh, turned a lot of heads. A lot of people were talking about that match after the show. Uh, surprise, a uh, great match between the two of them. So Ray Ray, definitely a very talented individual in this category. And Preacher, a guy that, uh, you know, basically, 
you know, not even uh, not talking hyperbole. Uh, Preacher bleeds the business. He's got a great head for the business. Uh, tremendous performer. Will definitely a guy that leaves it all out there uh, when he gets the ring. In. And uh, I was privileged enough to be able to take a, a lesson of in-ring work from Preacher at one point in time. Uh, so all three guys. Uh, it's kind of cool, Dave, that we actually our show has at least a, a real personal knowledge. Of all three nominees, uh, promises to be a real good race uh, going forward to see who wins uh, Independent Wrestler of the Year. Well, it just goes to show that you know the the, the BWO fans that listen to our show, they uh, they they came out strong and voted for their guys to to become you know possibly the indie wrestler of the year on the Ken Reedy show. Like I said last night, you know all the marks out there that complain about guys like Chris Hero that didn't get their didn't get his just due in WWE NXT developmental. He should have been on the Ken Reedy show voting to put Chris Hero as the indie wrestler of the year. So I don't want to hear any complaints from any of the marks out there. But as far as um, you know, Steve Off, talented worker. Um, last year he won indie wrestler of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, he's got a good shot at winning it again. He's he's always, always, always working. Every weekend, you can check out his schedule on his Facebook, on his Twitter. He's always in, in, the, in the ring learning his craft. Um, you know, Ray Ray Mars, I've seen a little bit of him. He's, he's a talented guy, and same thing with Preacher. So, uh, you know, big ups to the, uh, the BWO brethren that have uh, – come out in, in droves to uh, vote for their guys for uh, this year's Indie Wrestler of the Year. Yeah, and, get, you know, you hit the nail on the head, man. You know, if you don't like the nominations, you want to get out there and vote. You know, we talked a little bit last night. A.J. Ramirez wanted to make sure that CTWE got a nomination, and he was campaigning. There was one day where I saw him campaigning all over Facebook to get votes. So CTWE is one of the nominees for Independent Promotion of the Year. So, you got a favorite in these categories? Get on the Facebook. Again, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Right now, the award uh, up for nominations, and we will take the top three vote-getters. Female Wrestler of the Year is up right now on the Facebook. Check that out. Right now, uh, early lead to at least get one of the nominations, A.J. Lee. Surprisingly enough, Eva Marie has gotten a nomination, and lo and behold, I guess a guy who's looking to dominate all categories, Steve Off. Also getting a nomination for Female Wrestler of the Year. So get over there. Uh, I don't know if we're going to like let Steve off be a nom- but he got nominated. He actually has one vote over there. So you got a female that you want to win, Female Wrestler of the Year. Get over to Facebook now. Going to keep this up for the next couple days. Top three vote-getters will be the nominations for our year-end awards. And, and there you have it. That's it. I can't believe the year is almost over. It's been an incredible year, and... Let's get into it, because last night, one of the big four pay-per-views, Survivor Series, uh, an event that uh, is actually second to WrestleMania as far as longest-running pay-per-views in WWE history. Um, uh, we, we talked a lot last night about a, a, you know, let's just get it, let's get this trending. Hashtag lackluster. Uh, it was definitely a lackluster build going in. For myself, I, I thought it was it was better than... I thought it would be keeping in mind. I didn't think the build was really that great. Uh, you know, we do a lot on the Facebook with grading. I'd probably go C, C plus as far as my grade for it. I get the grading a little more harsh if because it's one of the big four. It definitely didn't live up to that. But I, I thought all the matches were, were good. I didn't think we saw a lot of clunkers over the course of the evening. 
Um, there were some decent setups for, for the future that we're going to get into, but uh, I was at least entertained for the bulk of, of the three hours. So I, I thought it was an okay pay-per-view, not, nothing great, but uh, at least I was entertained for the bulk of the show. Your thoughts overall, Dave, on Survivor Series? Overall, it was okay. I, I would have to tend to agree with you. Um, lackluster build um, to the pay-per-view, and um, I think it helped that they were in a, a, a pretty good wrestling town of Boston. Boston's always been a good uh, city that comes out for wrestling, uh, WWE in particular, and the crowd's very vocal. I went to the 2011 Royal Rumble pay-per-view a couple of years ago, and it was in Boston, and the crowd's pretty hot for it. And if they were in Des Moines, Iowa, this pay-per-view probably would be the worst pay-per-view of the year, in my opinion. And I think the audience and the crowd, the Boston wrestling fans are very knowledgeable, knowledgeable wrestling fans. They're like, you know, the Northeast is a very knowledgeable wrestling area, so to speak, especially with WWE. So their fans are very vocal, just like New Yorkers and the tri-state area. So... I think the audience helped um, with the presentation of the actual pay-per-view to the viewer at home. Um, I, I'm just curious. You know, we had a caller last night. Rick Henderson, I believe, called in and said, uh, you know, he wasn't expecting anything huge out of this pay-per-view. And I'm just curious if he's going to call in tonight to tell us what his take was on the pay-per-view itself from being live in the arena. Um, it was okay. I mean, they planted some seeds for some stuff, which I think was pretty cool. And they utilized the talent in ways that I think were was was proper, at least the younger talent, I should say. Overall, I like I said, I'd have to give it a C, just like you, C, C plus. Um, nothing great, nothing spectacular, but it, it wasn't terrible either, in my opinion. Agreed. And let's get into that because you know I I think you know we could do the the typical go match by match and whatever, but I, I think that there was there was a lot to come out of the pay per view. Uh, if not for exactly what happened, but some of the ancillary stuff. And, you know, we, we have the tagline, the three things we learned at Survivor Series, and we're going to get into that in a bit. But one of the major things that happened last night, interestingly enough, is after Survivor Series was over, and I question the decision to, to allow this stuff to happen after the pay-per-view, because the pay-per-view time-wise came up a little short. I, I think it was right around... 22, 15, you know, quarter to the hour that we, we ended uh, Survivor Series. Um, if you didn't hear about this, you know, videos are floating around online. Uh, you had the confrontation with John Cena and Randy Orton in the ring. Uh, Cena issued a challenge to Orton. The authority held uh, Orton back, uh, at which point Kane wanted to get at Cena. Triple H wanted to get at Cena. Um, even Vince McMahon came out and was on his way to get to Cena as each member of the authority restrained other people in the authority. And at the end, Stephanie McMahon actually made her way down to the ring to go after Cena. So it was a little long. It probably could have been uh, whittled down a little bit, but I found it to be an entertaining segment. Curious with the, the reemergence of Vince McMahon, is this something that the WWE builds on going into Monday Night Raw, or is this just something that, hey, they... they pulled out of their asses for the end of Survivor Series, and they were going to have to wait a while for the actual quote-unquote return for Vince McMahon. But entertaining stuff after Survivor Series was over, Dave. Yeah, um, I, I caught a little bit of the video myself earlier today, and uh, I thought to myself this would be a perfect way to 
kind of build some intrigue going into tonight's Monday Night Raw. If they started the show off with Michael Cole announcing to the audience that, you know, this was what took place after Survivor Series went off the air. They show some still shots of maybe a Vince, Triple H, Stephanie, you know, what you just described um, to, to our viewers. And, uh, then you have Josh Matthews standing outside the locker room, the office of the authority, and waiting to get an interview from them. They could build it up over the course of the three-hour broadcast where he's been waiting all night to get, in, you know, get a word from what, what was Vince doing there you know, last night at Survivor Series. What, what was that all about? Can we get an explanation? And then maybe Stephanie can you know, open the door and say something like, we're not, we're not able to discuss this at this time. We will let you know when we can discuss this, yada, yada, yada. And then maybe I'd say probably close to the – the top of the third hour at 10 o'clock is when you would cut back to that uh, the, the shot of the, the office by the authority. Somebody opens the door. It could be Triple H. It could be Vince. It could be Stephanie, whoever. Come out. Stark, Raven, Mad, pissed off. Matthew tries to get a word with him. Camera cuts to commercial, and then you could set up the closing segment of tonight's Monday Night Raw and then explain exactly what could take place. It could build some intrigue for a three-hour broadcast for somebody who didn't see the pay-per-view and then something that they – advertised tonight that went off the air, I think it would make people say, oh, well, that didn't make it on the air last night. Let's see what this is all about. And and you could build it for the, the full three hours. I think, personally, they're not going to do that. I think what it was was last night, if you watched the Randy Orton Big Show match, there were a lot of boring chants. There were We Want Daniel Bryan chants. Um, this match sucks, I think I heard it a couple of times. Um, at one point, Jerry Lawler had said, uh, and this is how bad the commentating is. We'll get into that later. But Jerry Law at one point, when they were chanting, we want Daniel Bryan, he said something along the lines of, the fans are going crazy for the big show or something like that. And it was just blatantly obvious that they didn't like the main event and the fans did not like where Daniel Bryan's place was on the card, that he wasn't a part of the main event. Um, at least the Boston uh, crowd didn't. So I think the whole thing with Vince at the end was something to kind of send the crowd home happy because they were very vocal during last night's main event that they didn't like what they saw. Interesting, uh, you know, where they're going to go with that. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that they're, it's just something that was kind of thrown in to entertain the live audience. I would love to see them build on it. I think the way you booked that is, uh, would be really cool, but, uh, I kind of agree. I think that they probably won't use them, and then, uh, you know, magically Vince's big return will wind up happening on TV. But I thought it was cool stuff, and who knows? Maybe it was something that they came up with on the fly, uh, you know, because the crowd wasn't happy. I think the crowd, you know, at times can be a little too critical. Um, I, you know, it, it, was, it was Big Show and Randy Orton. I, I didn't think the match was incredible. I, I didn't think it was terrible. Um, you know, sometimes I think guys just are going to hate on something just because their favorite guy isn't in the match. Um, you know, I, to me, it served its purpose. It told the story. But some of the things, you know, getting into this this pay-per-view, uh, you know, one of the things we were talking about in our pre-show prep meeting was, you know, stuff that came out of this. And, and I think as much as maybe the pay-per-view was an okay pay-per-view, I think there were some really pivotal things that we learned coming out of Survivor Series. So we, we were talking this through, and we, we came up with three, three major things as far as the landscape of the WWE universe that we learned coming out of Survivor Series. And, and I think that these are three fairly substantial things as we look at the year going forward, end of 2013 and all of 2014. The first thing that we, we uh, as we're talking about, and I think uh, – 
it's pretty obvious, but it is an important thing as we look forward to how the landscape of professional wrestling may change over the course of the next few months. Biggie Langston and Roman Reigns are on the fast track to be bona fide big stars main eventers. Now we know the way wrestling is, things can always change. Someone can piss off someone else in, uh, you know, behind the scenes. Someone gets hurt. That can always change. But coming out of last night, at least right now, uh, you got to say that Biggie Langston and Roman Reigns are on the fast track. Biggie Langston, a fairly dominant performance, retaining his IC championship. Just him having the IC championship, to me, uh, makes the, the, the IC seem, seem to have a little more prestige. Uh, very talented individual. I could have done without the promo afterwards, but I think inserting that promo in there just shows you that they wanted him to get that pop. They wanted him to get that moment. They're giving him the spotlight. Uh, so I'm looking for really big things uh, coming out of Biggie Langston. And, oh, my God, and, and put, put one in the feather of the cap of both Dave and myself because we said from the get-go when the Shield was, was making their way through this roster and was getting bigger and bigger – that the breakout star of this group was not going to be Ambrose, that Roman Reigns was going to be the breakout star out of the Shield. And last night was his coming out party. A star was born last night. Tremendous performance out of Roman Reigns at Survivor Series, Dave. I think I coined the phrase that Roman Reigns was going to have a Diesel-like moment, if you remember because Diesel, Kevin Nash, I think he went through about three or four guys in his Survivor Series elimination match in 1994, if I remember, and that's what it seemed to be last night. I, I, although I will say I predicted that all three members of the Shield were going to remain victorious and be the, 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 the Survivors, but I'm glad that the latter took place with Roman Reigns being the one. Um, I've always been very high on him. He's got this, he's got this look and this charisma about him. He's just he's got something that really just gravitates me to watching him even further and then his moves in the ring. I think his spear is better than Goldberg's in my opinion. I think it's better than Edge's. He's he's, he's very devil when, when he he folded Rey Mysterio in half and I loved it. I thought it was great. Our living room got a pop last night. We popped hard for that. It was it was it was a big moment and the Boston crowd was into it too. They see a star in him as well and you know Shockingly enough, the internet darling of that group is Dean Ambrose, and he was the first one eliminated in the match with like within a minute or two. So it goes to show what the company thinks of him right now. Not saying that he's not going to be a big deal someday. I think he will, but they got plans for Rain. And then when he just tore through, like he eliminated four out of the other five guys on the team. That, that, that goes to show that they got some big plans for him. I'm just curious if they're going to capitalize on that. Biggie Langston over Curtis Axel, yeah, we saw that coming, and I think uh, they got some. They, they got big plans for him as well. They're definitely preparing for when John Cena will never be back again. And from what I'm hearing, it's like four to five years that uh, John Cena. They think that the company thinks he has left in him. Well, in four or five years. Roman Reigns and Biggie Langston are going to be ten times better than what they currently are right now, and I think they're just planning for the future as far as being, you know, the two big names. Roman Reigns to me is like a cross between like Batista and The Rock. If he could talk, I'm telling you, he'd have the total package in my opinion, and he he's going to be a huge star. And I think 
he's got to he's got to develop a little more verbal skills to, to to stand out. But he's got it, in my opinion. I've said it for a long time. He's got something. He's he's the man of that group. I look forward to watching him more than Rollins and Ambrose, and I like those two as well. But Reigns, to me, he's the breakout guy of that group, and we called it. That's the thing. We've been saying this from the get-go since they started, that he was the man uh, of that group. So for anybody out there listening, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, WWE, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. You know, we, we don't always agree, but we totally agreed on, on Roman Reigns being the breakout uh, star. And, and I, you know, it's funny. You, you, I, I think they wrote it perfectly, and I'm curious, you know, as we go, you know, and the show is kind of a Survivor Series reaction slash Raw pregame. But you look at this, you know, do they capitalize on this? I think, if, you know, they wrote it very well to easily capitalize. Because I go into Monday Night Raw tonight and at some point just have Ambrose. Ambrose has basically been the mouthpiece for the most part of the Shield. Have him kind of cutting a promo in the back that we took care of business. We won our match. We dominated. And just have Roman Reigns, you know, what do you mean we, bro? Like, you were gone. You were the first one out. And, you know, and it's something to that effect, whether it's Roman Reigns just giving Ambrose another kind of look of disdain or he actually verbalizes, you know, ease, ease off of the, the we because I'm the one that took care of things. Um, but they're definitely planting the seeds of dissension in the shield, and I like it. I, I think it's, you know, you don't want to necessarily have this overly dramatic, out-of-nowhere break apart. I, I, I like the way they're... They're kind of planting the seeds. Uh, there's, there's definitely chinks in the armor of the shield. And this was this was a, a really good way to kind of really facilitate that storyline going forward, having Ambrose being the first guy eliminated. I mean, when you look at this group, Ambrose, at least in character, seems to have the biggest ego. So having him being the first guy eliminated, I think the story kind of writes itself. It's just kind of, you know, wondering how how long this goes how long do they keep the shield together and and show it unraveling is it is it a long standing process do we see the shield break up sooner than later uh, obviously like we're saying roman reigns is going to be the breakout star but how what is the shelf life right now for the shield um i think they're going to keep them till at least wrestlemania in my opinion i think we, you know, we we saw the seeds planted last night with Reigns being the sole survivor of that team. Um, and I think we're going to see little sprinkles of dissension over the course from now till the build towards WrestleMania. I think we're going to see it even amped up even further in the Royal Rumble match when all three men are in the Rumble at some point, if they decide to put all three guys in the Rumble, which I think they will. But I think we're going to see the Shield, like I said, just a little bit here and there, just in passing, something to get you to put it in the back of your mind that it's still there, something that you can always go back on, but at the same time they'll still do their shtick as the Shield, be be a part of the authority and be the muscle for Triple H and Randy Orton. And then they'll, you know, show the little seeds of dissension at times. And I think personally the rumor I've heard is that they, they and like I said, it's just a rumor, all, all the grain of salt, but them and the Wyatts at WrestleMania, which is like another internet wet dream for the wrestling fans out there to see these two groups go at it, which I think would be great, showcasing six young, talented guys that are the future of the WWE in the same match at the same time. I think it would be awesome. But, and, the, and the chemistry that these groups you know, have with each other, 
that we've seen in a short period of time, I think, would translate real well on television and in a storyline and in a feud against each other. But I see it going that maybe maybe the Shield, at least Ambrose and Rollins, will think that Roman Reigns has kind of gotten too big for his britches, so to speak, and Reigns will kind of just dominate that match, so to speak, with, with, with the, the Wyatts. And maybe Ambrose and Rollins walks out on Reigns and leaves him to take a beating from the Wyatts. The Wyatts emerge victorious. They're the new three-man group, and the Shield's broken up. And maybe they stick Ambrose and Rollins in, in a tag team for the time being, or they have them split up and go their separate ways. Um, I think it would be beneficial if he kept them as a tag team personally and have them kind of feud with Roman Reigns, and maybe Roman Reigns can find somebody to, to tag up with. Maybe you give him John Cena and have them him get the rub of, tagging with John Cena and Cena endorsing him as the next big guy in the WWE against the other two members of the Shield in Ambrose and Rollins post-WrestleMania 30. So I think that's something I would do if I was writing it, but then again, what do I know? I've just been watching wrestling since I was three years old, so I really don't know much of anything considering I don't work for the WWE, but they do listen to our show, apparently. Yeah, so, someone's definitely listening, you got to think, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's really cool to see, and I feel like it, I haven't gotten that feeling in, in a long time about guys that like I really see as being a big star. I mean, I I do remember way back when 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 Orton and Cena debuted, and I remember thinking, all right, those two guys are definitely um, on their way; they're going to be big stars in this company. Um, you know, I can't say, look, guys have come and become big stars, you know, but I. I can't say that I saw Daniel Bryan and, and immediately thought, yeah, this guy's going to be a big star. I mean, he surprised me, you know, and he is amazing. Um, you know, these two right now, uh, from the get-go with the, the uh, start of the Shield, um, you know, I liked everything I saw to Roman Reigns. And, um, you know, Biggie Langston uh, continues to surprise me. Again, like you're saying, Dave, not a surprise last night, him going over and retaining the uh, – the IC championship. It's just, you know, the way he did it, you know, no screw shenanigans. Uh, I'm really curious what exactly going to do going forward. And, and we've talked about, it and we keep wondering if the IC championship is going to regain at least a little bit of prominence. Um, I like what I'm seeing, but you know, where do you go from now? Where does, I mean, I'm assuming Curtis Axel just kind of fades off into oblivion for a little bit. Um, who do you, who else do you see up next as far as the guy who could contend for the IC championship? Well, I kind of mentioned it last night, but you know, does Langston got involved in? Uh, he ran in and saved Cena from uh, uh, you know getting his arm tore up even more by Del Rio. So maybe they transition Del Rio over to Langston, and uh, maybe add some some more credibility by having a former world champion challenge for the Intercontinental title. Uh, that's a possibility. Something I think would be interested and also get, you know, one of my favorite wrestlers back in the mix, so to speak. Maybe if Dolph Ziggler turned heel and they could do a storyline where Ziggler says, you know, I was the one that brought Langston into WWE. I was the one that made him into a big deal and look where he's gotten and look how, you know, look how far I've fallen and somewhat of a jealousy factor. And it can make Dolph Ziggler relevant again. As much as I would like to see him as a babyface, maybe turning him back heel would be beneficial to him. Um, for the time being, if they got plans with them. It doesn't seem like they really have any plans with them because, for Christ's sake, Eva Marie had a spot in the pay-per-view, and Dolph Ziggler wasn't even on the pre-show. So that goes to show what they think of Dolph Ziggler. Um, 
I mean, hey, there's other names that you could throw at length. So you could throw Wade Barrett. He's a former Intercontinental champion. They just turned the Miz heel, and Miz has got some credibility when it comes to, you know, he's a former WWE champion as much as, you know, we here on the show don't like that. But you could throw Miz at Langston and maybe have Miz and Langston feud over the Intercontinental title. There's other names you could throw at him. Christian. Christian's been gone for a while. Maybe Christian comes back and challenges him for the Intercontinental title. Who knows? Um, or maybe they have Ambrose from the Shield go after Langston because they still got some unfinished business, too, if I'm not mistaken. You could throw a lot of different guys at Langston. I think Langston's going to have a, a decent, lengthy four- five-month run with the Intercontinental title, go through some guys, build him up. I think he's going to have a, a significant spot on the WrestleMania card in the, the mid-card, which is a dirty word to most wrestling fans nowadays. Um, but Langston's, yeah, I see him with the title for a while and just really building him up. I'd love to see more of a personality from him, to be honest with you. I mean, they accentuate his positives and camouflage his negatives. And as far as, you know, his presentation with his, his power moves and his look and his ability in the ring. But I'd like to see more of a personality from him from a verbal standpoint. See what kind of character, you know, he is. Maybe even film some vignettes about his background, his past. You could say that he grew up in a broken home or whatever. Whatever. I mean, you can come up with something, but add something to his character to get people invested into it, other than just the fact that he's a guy that does these big, powerful moves and he's the Intercontinental Champion. I think they need to add a little more substance to Big E Langston. I would agree with you, and I, and I think you could just do it, like, you know, simplify it. I mean, some of the stuff that Big E Langston, you know, he's really into working out. Uh, if you want to show, like, you know, his, his home life, where he came from. You know, I've enjoyed actually watching some of the vignettes on WWE.com about you know, him getting into lifting and how important it is to him and, and him, uh, you know, in his workouts. I mean, I think you could just simplify and use use those vignettes. I mean, he obviously is a, a physical specimen. I mean, show him in the gym. Show his dedication to, to working out. Uh, you know, show, like, you know, the, like you were, we were talking about last night with the, uh, the video uh, leading into John Cena and, and The Rock won. Um, you know, where they had Biggie Langston working out and setting a, a raw bench press record. You know, those things, to me, I, I find that at least intriguing. And, you know, we've always talked about it. I mean, sometimes with, these, with wrestling and, and when they build these characters, the characters come so far away from what those people really are, it's tough for them to portray it. Keep it close to, to what Biggie Langston is. He's a big, brooding, uh, very athletic individual. You know, accentuate... Those things. Have him, if you're going to cut a promo like in a vignette, have him be in the middle of a workout. So you show part of his workout, and then he kind of cuts a promo, you know, that he's he's prepping for his match with his, his upcoming foe. But, uh, again, these two guys, no, point number one of the three big things we learned uh, at Survivor Series last night, Roman Reigns, Biggie Langston on the fast track to being big stars in this wrestling business. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. we got a couple of you on hold. We're going to get to you right after the break, but right now it is time for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Thank you very much. Better late than never, but the Day 5 News Report only heard here at the Ken Reedy Show every Monday night at 7 p.m. Our first story, WWE NXT hopeful and former Ring of Honor star, Davey Richards announced on Twitter today that he won't be able to go to Japan this coming week for the NOAA promotion because of a neck injury. No details on the severity of his injury have been discussed at this time. 
We're backstage at Survivor Series last night is that at the 90-minute mark of the show, when the only thing trending worldwide for WWE was Bret the Hitman Hart, a lot of people were said to be unhappy internally. Other officials in the company were not in a good mood over WWE's inability to get stuff to trend past the American Music Awards and the big Sunday night NFL game between the Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots. The soon-to-be-announced WWE Network launch is looking to add an incentive, possibly, and I say this loosely, possibly giving away WrestleMania 30 for free if you sign up for the network. Company officials feel that by giving the fans the hook of offering the biggest pay-per-view of the year for free, most fans will be more inclined to sign up and stay on, especially with all the content WWE can provide. In some rather sad news, well, difficult, but sad to speak of, this past weekend, WWE legend The Dynamite Kid suffered a stroke. Kidd, who has been wheelchair-bound since his career ended in 1989, has been suffering from numerous health issues, and for several weeks he suffered a few mini-strokes and looked very pale and lost a considerable amount of weight, according to family. An update on his condition, Kidd's daughter, and I hope to pronounce this properly, Bronwyn Billington, hope I said this right, tweeted his condition today, and I quote, talked to my dad's wife this morning, and she said she really feels he is doing better since this all happened. Hashtag, thank you, Lord. And, and some another sad story to report in our final story this week. Saturday in Los Angeles, California, TNA Impact Wrestling star Kurt Angle took part in the 1D Day event with the pop sensation One Direction. Angle participated in a mock wrestling match along with Liam Payne from the band One Direction. For your viewing pleasure, this match was streamed live on YouTube. The man on this marquee, Ken Reedy, hosts Wrestling on Fire. Check it out, WrestlingOnFire.com for all the hottest action. Ken Reedy, Ray Ray Mars, check it out now. There's no explanation for this because these guys are just weird. We mentioned it earlier. I'm just going to say it again. Tune in to the Gun Show, Season 9. Link, YouTube slash Gun Show Web TV. And my favorite place to go to when I need my wrestling fix, Ken's Cards and Collectibles, 27 Mill Street, Berlin, Connecticut. The best in NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, and professional wrestling memorabilia. He buys, sells, and trades. Anything wrestling, he's got it. Go to Facebook and like Ken's Cards and Collectibles. And there you have it, my friends. That was the Day 5 News Report. Only heard here at the top of the hour every Monday night on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken. Back to you. Yeah, some some sad news out there. Again, all the best uh, out to uh, Dynamite Kid. Hope he's recovering. Uh, and, and I guess it is sad news that Kurt Angle's involved in One Direction, so go figure. <laughs> Lots of talk about, but we, uh, we actually have Rick on the line. He was uh, at Survivor Series. Rick, are you there? What's going on, guys? Hey, Rick. How you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? Doing all right. So let us know, what was it like in the arena? How was the crowd? Uh, we heard some reports that the crowd was, was not happy at the end of the pay-per-view. Uh, give us a little bit of your feel being there live. Well, let me ask you this. What, the last thing they showed on TV, I'm assuming, was just a showdown between Cena and uh, and Orton, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Always, so we saw them holding their title belts aloft. 
So they didn't actually show any of the entertaining stuff on TV. That was just something I was trying to figure out because, you know, that was over, I would say, before quarter of 11. I, I would say probably 43 after. And then all the good stuff happened after that, but that wasn't on TV. But, you know, I, I think the main reason, at least in my opinion, why the crowd might have been a little bit upset was that there were people standing in line, I would say, for over an hour and they didn't open the doors until like 15 minutes before the pre-show started. And, you know, you guys are from the Northeast area. It was 15 degrees outside yesterday, blowing 30 here. So, you know, people weren't exactly happy with that. Uh, the other thing people weren't happy with was that um, they didn't show any of the pre-show in the arena. So, basically, we sat there until Kofi Kingston came out and with nothing going on. Uh, they didn't introduce anybody, and they had a, a pretty damn good panel with Bret Hart and Mick Foley, and you know they didn't introduce them. They didn't even introduce the announcers, which maybe they don't do anymore. I don't know, but every show I've ever gone to, they've always had like Lawler and JBL come out, and you know people cheer, but they didn't do that. Um, one thing I found weird, and I don't know if you guys you guys have probably been to a few more events lately, is that pretty much after every match, they changed the ring. Um, not the apron, but the actual covering of the ring, you know, the, the mat. So I don't know what was going on there. It was like literally after every match, they would go underneath the ring and they would put um, a new mat on the ring. It, it was really weird. Um, you know, I enjoyed the show. Uh, it, you know, I think it was. It almost felt to me like they didn't really care about the people that were actually in the building. Um, you know, I've been going there for. Like since it opened, it's only been there like 20 years, but I've been going there since it opened, and it was really, and I think I told you guys this last night, it was really one of the quieter events I've ever seen there. So I don't know if they really mic the crowd up really well and make it sound loud, you know, for TV or what, but really people didn't even stand up that often. I mean, they'd stand up when people came out, like Cena or CM Punk or whatever, but there really wasn't a lot of, from what I'm used to seeing, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on in terms of the fans. Um, I think I told you guys the set was massive. It took up probably a fourth, if not a third of the arena. So that was a lot of seats that they didn't sell. It was a legit sellout. Every seat was pretty much full. Um, outside of that, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought I'm curious. So like, was, I mean, you, you uh, said that the more entertaining stuff, like how was how the crowd reaction, uh, the, the end stuff that we didn't see on TV was the crowd into the uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, yeah. I, I felt like, I felt like almost like a thousand. See, we were, we didn't, my buddy and I thought, may, hey, maybe they're putting this on pay-per-view because it ended, I want to say it was like 42 after, so it was like 20 minutes left. But, yeah, they, they reacted well, too, and it was, it was really comedy. And, and once they did the same thing about five times, I kind of got the idea that it wasn't going to the world because basically they had Kane try to go in the ring and get Cena. They had Triple H, Stephanie, everything you guys have seen and talked about, they, they did. And that went on for about 15 minutes. And Cena cut a little pro-Boston promo. And then uh, Vince came out, tried to get him. And then Vince did the um, the, El Mat- uh, the, the El Matadors thing, the Ole, and the crowd got into that. But, you know, I, I, had, I had a feeling... But the thing that kind of really gave it away is when Vince came out without music. I'm like, well, that's definitely not on TV because they wouldn't just have him come charging out of the back like that, you know. So it 
so, you know, it's a good show. I mean, I would have liked to see a little bit more out of uh, Cena and Del Rio. I thought the match itself was good. I think they should have did five or ten more minutes and had, you know, the typical, I don't want to call it typical, but they should have had a little back and forth on the submissions and stuff, but they really didn't do too much of that. You know, once they powerbombed them out of the uh, the armbar, that was pretty much the end there. So, um, I really made fun of Bray Wyatt because he doesn't work. He sits in a rocket chair and takes a one bump a match and gets <laughs> paid. But <laughs> well, it's a good show. I, it, it, it wasn't the best. Uh, you know, but for the price we paid, it was worth it. You know, I, I wasn't one of the people who stood outside the cold for an hour. You know, I'm sure that would have made me mad if I did it. But you know, well, you've been going so long, it's like you don't care if you show up at the very beginning and sit in the arena for 45 minutes. You know. But what, so I'm, glad, I'm glad. You, I'm glad it was a good show. Um, before I let you go, I am curious. You know, the opening match, the traditional Survivor Series match. What was the uh, Crowd reaction inside when uh, Roman Reigns was the sole survivor at the end. Now he, I did, I may have missed it, but did he eliminate everybody or only four of them? Uh, four. He eliminated everybody but one of the Usos. So he eliminates yeah. four out of the five guys. My buddy who hasn't seen, uh, we haven't gone to WWE in four or five years at the Garden. He said that guy's awesome. And the thing that we kind of noticed, and I don't know how it looked on TV, but it looked like Rey Mysterio could barely walk, and uh, Roman Reigns made him look good in the little bit that they did. But he he looked great, and I hope that, you know, they do something with him sooner rather than later. Everybody's like, well, they're going to wait all the way to WrestleMania. I hope that they they don't. But, um, you know, from what I'm hearing, they're probably going to – go straight to the Cena Orton thing here in the next two pay-per-views. So I, I don't think that they're a lot of people are like, well, they're building up for WrestleMania. That may be true, but there's what? Six more pay-per-views before that and seven. So they, they're going to do something in the interim. So I hope that that happens. You know, one of the other matches I liked was the Miz and Kofi. I guess the Miz is a face now. I, I thought I heard you guys say he was a heel, but now he's a face again. So I don't know exactly what they're doing there. Uh, I think he's got some sort of Christmas movie or something else, so now he's facing it up. And I mean, I don't know. It, it, the one thing, I don't know if you guys got into this earlier, but the one thing that I found kind of odd was they had um, Punk and Brian versus the Wyatts, and then they had the big show right after that. And the crowd wasn't too keen on that, and I think that that was just a mistake on the booking more than anything. Is because if they did what they normally do and maybe put the Divas match in between, I don't think people would have been as upset with it. But you can't go from, you know, the two best wrestlers you have to the friggin' Big Show, who can, all he basically does is slap the guy, maybe a choke slam and a punch. That's all he does. So it, it's difficult, you know, and people, I, get, I don't know if there were chants or whatever, but there's a lot of boring chants during that match. And, I think it's a direct result of, you know, Vince or whoever's in charge just booking the card wrong. There should have been something in between, you know, the that and the, you know, CM Punk thing. And the other thing was Ryback, I guess, I don't know if that, that wasn't on the thing, but he he comes out and gets squashed. So I don't know if he's on the on the bad list or the naughty list, if you will. But what are, what are, what are they doing? I mean... Uh, I think you guys had talked earlier about how Raw's going to go. I would be surprised if, it, if they don't lead with the authority angle right off the front. But 
then again, it may they may just lead with Cena too, which is the same angle. But I, I'd be surprised if it wasn't that to lead the show. But you never know. Maybe they make you wait till eleven oh five and give you the deep tease all night. It's Vince going to come back? But I, I, didn't they like say on WWE.com that they were going to have Vince come back and all that tonight? So it, that kind of was odd to me that. You know, that they would do what they did on the pay-per-view just to say, oh, by the way, Vince was there last night, and now he's going to be here tonight. They usually, you know, build that up for the big surprise ratings or whatever. But yeah, anyways, kind of, I mean, that's... I definitely think they, they left a lot of things uh, open-ended, and I'm curious to see how they follow up on all this stuff uh, coming into Monday Night Raw. Glad you enjoyed yourself. Thanks a lot for giving us an in-the-arena perspective, and... Uh, Hey, give us a call back. You know, I'd love to talk some more wrestling with you. All right, Kenny. Have a good night. Take it easy. There you go. We got a perspective in the arena uh, from Rick. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, and it is, you know, it's a good point as far as the booking goes. I mean, I again, I, I guess it's because of the expectation. You know, I thought Big Show and Randy Orton were, were it was an okay match. Um, they gave me what, what I thought they'd give. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe if they booked a, a match, a Divas match or something between uh, the tag match, uh, that would have, you know, helped that match out a little bit. But who knows? But uh, getting back to our three points and what we learned uh, last night at uh, the WWE Pay-Per-View Survivor Series, uh, point number two, mid-card is no longer an insult. And we, we touched on it a little bit last night, but, uh, you know, they, they sprinkled guys throughout the card. And you know what? I mean, I, you know, when we grew up, Dave, you know, wrestling, you know, guys in the mid-card, uh, you know, they, they came out and they brought it. And, and it was all about putting together a great show. And, I, and for me as a wrestling fan, you know, I was never a guy that like, oh, my guy's on the mid-card. That, that's, that's ridiculous. That's an outrage. My guy should be headlining. I, I just, I'm looking for a good show. And right now, you know, we're looking at a few pay-per-views where we're looking at mid-card matches kind of stealing the show. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you want to call it like, you know, a secondary or tertiary main event. But, you know, Daniel Bryan and uh, uh, CM Punk were kind of in a mid-card match last night. And again, I don't look at that as an insult. The mid-card has been strengthened right now in the WWE you look back when we grew up watching wrestling, a lot of mid-card matches uh, wound up stealing the show. Uh, guys like uh, Mr. Perfect, uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Junkyard Dog, uh, you know, those are all guys that we grew up in the WWE were mid-card guys uh, who were very popular, who knew how to bring it, who sometimes would steal the show. And I think you're looking at the evolution of the WWE and, you know, these mid-card guys are not looking at being in the mid-card as an insult. They're looking at it as a, they're on the card, and they're going to bring it. And you know what? If the main eventers are not capital, these mid-carders are going to steal the show. Strong mid-card right now in the WWE. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could look at, if, if you want to call it the mid-card and, you know, talk about the, the talent that's involved in the mid-card, you could look at, you know, Ambrose, you can look at, you know, the, the entire Shield. I mean, Cody Rhodes, go, I mean, you can, you, if you want to count the tag team division in there, um, 
But, yeah, there was a strong outing amongst the, the mid-card last night. Daniel Bryan and CM Punk versus the Whites. It was a fun match to watch, and it was played second to last. I kind of agree with Rick's point where he said that maybe he should have put a Divas match in between and sandwiched the two to kind of, you know, give the people a break, and maybe the Big Show Orton match wouldn't have been so boring. But be that as it may, they did something different, and they kind of put these two matches back-to-back, and it showed the obvious that Orton and Big Show obviously couldn't, you know, live up to what Brian and Punk and the Wyatts did in the previous match. So I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun match to watch. The first match obviously stole the show, in my opinion, um, and really solidified what the future of the company is with the talent that's involved in that match. I mean, with the Usos and Cody and, you know, Cesaro and as much as I don't like them, Jack Swagger. But there was – they shined last night. They really – carried the anchor for what the main event didn't do, in my opinion, between Orton and Big Show. Um, I liked it, and I think that there is, you know, when people say future of the WWE, most people, or, or future of wrestling in general, most people think, like, guys that are, you know, going to headline, main event of WrestleMania, be a world champion. But you also got to remember, too, like, back in each era, there were different, you know, each roster had, you know, shining stars and bright lights in it as far as, you know, talent goes. In the 80s, you know, the main event was Hogan and whoever he worked with. But then you had Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, Jake the Snake, Ravishing Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, the Big Boss Man, um, the Heart Foundation, Demolition, the Road Warriors, the Rockers, uh, you know, Junkyard Dog, Tito Santana, the model Rick Martel, uh, you know, names like that. And then in the 90s, you had... Brett and Sean and Diesel and Razor, Undertaker, Mick Foley, and then Austin and Rock. And, you know, it, it was like different. I, I, it's hard for me to explain, but, like, everybody had a place on the show. And there was, it, and at some point or another, that each each group did serve their purpose in a lot of ways, especially more so, you know, the 80s and the Attitude Era. Because they each era had all around just talent from top to bottom of the roster. Like, when you watch the Monday Night Raw during the Attitude Era, 90% of the roster was on TV, and they were doing something significant on television that was entertaining. I mean, even to the point with Kai and Tai, Taka Michinoku and, and Funaki, who they were doing the, the, uh, the, the Japanese, um, the, you know, the, the subtitle gimmick, where they would, you know, speak English, but they were really, you know, Japanese, and they were speaking Asian. And it was just, they did, they each... Each crop of talent served their purpose in the attitude. And same thing with the 80s. I think that's what WWE is doing right now. They're trying to get an overall good show out of, you know, for an entire two or three hours. You know, they're building up newer talent, and they're putting talent in, in areas where they're going to, you know, excel. And I think last night's, you know, traditional Survivor Series match, where I'd like to have seen it later in the card, yes, but it served a purpose. They had talent that they knew that was going to go out there and blow the roof off to start the show off hot and get you interested in the rest of the show, and that's what they did. It served its purpose right there with the Shield and Cesaro and Rey Mysterio and the Usos and Cody and a, a, a rejuvenated gold dust and swag. I mean, all those guys. They great outings in that match that really helped, and that's like the nucleus to me, in my opinion, of what the mid card is. Yes, they're tag teams in that match, but they are part of the mid card, and it helps that they are they're there to carry the load. If the main event sometimes can't do it, that, that to me, I, there's there's a lot of talent in WWE right now that some is underutilized, some is is, is used very well. 
And I think right now they're trying to model themselves of what they did in the 80s in the Attitude Era by having an overall solid presentation from top to bottom. And I think what you're looking at right now is, you know, we always talk about even like Andrew Anderson was on the show last night, last week, and he was saying how, you know, uh, competition and it would, it would help the product if the WWE had competition. And we've always agreed with that. But I think what you're seeing right now within the WWE, if, if we're not having competition within companies, you're having competition within the WWE. And, and that's good. Um, you know, do they hit it out of the ballpark? Every Absolutely not. Is everything creative, working all the time? No, it's not. But you have a lot of talented, younger guys all fighting for a, a limited, uh, limited amount of spots. And that's good that you have these younger guys coming out there looking to prove their worth, looking to show that they belong on the card. And that, again, ultimately, the fan is going to win out uh, there. And you know, you know, Dave and I have talked about this. You know, again, I, I don't get caught up with where they happen to be on the card. Um, you know, I might discuss how maybe it could have been booked differently. But if I have, a, you know, a favorite wrestler, you know, I'm go, like we, we go on and on about how high we are on Roman Reigns. I'm not necessarily upset that Roman Reigns was in the first match on the card. I'm glad he was there, and I'm glad that he shined. And, and you go back, you know, like you're talking about the Attitude Era in the 80s, you know, the mid-card guys shined in the mid-card, and there's no shame in that. And I think we are looking at right now the beginnings of a very, very good era of WWE television. We're going to get solid three-hour shows. If there's enough talent, enough really good talent on the roster where if the main event is not grabbing you, is not holding your interest, you know, if you didn't like Big Show and Randy Orton last night, I, I think you still got a real solid mid-card, and if you're going to get so caught up in, like, the main event not being good, I, I see, I'm, I'm not like that. If the whole show was great, I can look at it and say the show was great and the, the you know, the main event was eh. So I, I think it's it's an incredible uh, time period right now for the WWE. I, I think there's enough spots right now, well, there's a limited number of spots where, you know, being in the mid-card is, is better than not being on the card at all. And like you brought up, a guy, a guy like we were talking in our pre-show, a guy like Dolph Ziggler, all the talent in the world, and still hoping, you know, this fan right here is still hoping that we see some substantial stuff out of Ziggler. But here's a guy who's got all the talent in the world, doesn't make it onto the pay-per-view. There's a limited number of spots right there. These younger guys got to fight for their spots, and that's why I think we're seeing a, an, an, a raise in their game, an, an upheaval as far as these young guys really bringing it in the mid-card. So I, I'm, I don't think it's an insult anymore. I think guys are just going to be happy to be on a pay-per-view card uh, because of the limited number of spots. And kudos to the guys who really brought it last night in the mid-card. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. we got Mike on the line. Let's hear what he thought about Survivor Series. Mike, how you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, you know, you guys talked about the talented Roman Reigns. Of course he's talented. Look who his family is. Agreed. Isn't it amazing? I mean, number one, it seems like every Samoan in wrestling, in some way, shape, or form, is they're related. And it's it's pretty amazing how, you know, this family just keeps to, you know, bring these guys out that are just, you know, incredibly talented. And uh, you're right. I mean, lineage is there. 
And I have a friend that says, oh, you know, Roman Reigns is Italian. And I said, no, he's not. He's Samoan. And he goes, what do you mean he's he's Samoan? I said, yes, he is. I said, "Uh, seek is his father. And he looked it up and he told me, wow. He goes, they hide it very very well. Um, Last night I was watching the Survivor Series and I came to a big conclusion. Miz sucks. He sucks (laughs) as a good guy. He sucks as a bad guy. Uh, last night's match with him and Kofi absolutely stunk. All Kofi does is do, do the kicks and flips and kicks. And Miz, he didn't even pull the tights. I was hoping for a little cheat. He should have did something. I don't know. Maybe he needs to go back to school or something. I don't know, Ken. Maybe you need to talk to Miz. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I, I honestly, I didn't think the match was, was that bad, but it was weird at the end because I didn't know. Like, it looked like they were, look, Miz was a face. It looked like they were turning him heel. And then, you know, I know he's got that Christmas movie coming out. So I did think it was it was odd that they were turning him heel now. But then, like, he offers his handshake at the end of the match. And I was actually, since they were turning Miz heel, I was kind of expecting Kofi was going to shake his hand and then Miz was going to do something underhanded. And instead, Kofi <laughs> smacks Miz in the face. So it was kind of... All right, what exactly is is Miz going to go back to being a face? Are they turning Kofi Kingston heel or is this just something that they they're building with their relate it was just it was it was odd to me, but uh yeah, I I don't or know. Did they get, gonna... Or did they get or did they get lost at the end of the match? I mean, <laughs> you know, that's my my opinion on that. I mean, I don't know, Ken and Dave. I I I've no uh I've I've no clue uh as to what was going on last night in that match. Um, in the beginning, you know, the typical heel move would have been to slap Kofi right in the face when he went to go for a handshake. I don't know, and he shook his hand. I don't know what they're doing with Miz. I don't think WWE knows what they're doing with Miz. I, you know, that's a good point. I mean, I, I would kind of agree with you there. I, I mean, for us, look, I, I'm not a big Miz fan, and neither one of us are here. I, I think my, my biggest problem with the Miz, though, is is partially the you know the fault of the WWE because I I just never saw him as a main eventer. I think I think Miz would have been perfectly fine staying in that IC US tag team title picture, you know, you know, mid card to to opening match. Type. I just never saw him as a guy who could carry a pay-per-view, could carry the the major storylines going on through the company. So I, I just think the WWE, it seemed like because of his ties uh, with MTV and, and reality television and, you know, maybe having, uh, you know, other fans outside of wrestling that they kind of wanted to use him almost as like an ambassador and pushed him to be a, a bigger store, a bigger star than maybe he was ready to be. And after the, the grand main event Miz experiment failed, it's almost like the WWE doesn't know what to do with them. Is he a face? Is he a heel? Miz TV? Um, it, it's just been weird, and now he's going to be in this Christmas movie. But I, I think you, you bring up a good point, Mike. Uh, where exactly does Miz fit in? I mean, for me, is Miz, if Miz is going to be the guy that's going to be in the pre-show match, I'm fine with that. You know, I I, I think he's you know he's not talentless. Um, I just don't think he's he's a he's a star, um, but it, it is weird, you know. Where exactly? Are, I mean, Dave, do you have any 
thoughts? Like, where are they going with the Miz and, and his character? Who knows? There's, there's, he's not the only guy that they. You're not sure where they're going with his character. I mean, hey, Dave, we, we're talking about the Miz, brother. Let's keep it going. Go ahead, Miz. That, that, that's what. Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying, though. I mean, if you'd let me finish my point there, Mike, he's not the only talent. We talked we, we talked about Ryback, too, and what they do with him. One week he's a bully, and then last night he talks about how he's not a bully. And, and you know, he beats up guys, but then he loses to guys. You're not sure what they want to do with him. Uh, We're not talking about Ryback. We're talking about the Miz. Oh, would you shut your goddamn mouth? I'm trying to make a point here. Go ahead, brother. I'll let you go. Go ahead. The point I'm trying to make is is that I think he's going to flounder for a little while until they find something comfortable for him to do. I think the heel turn, if they had this stupid movie coming out, which I'm not going to watch, by the way. Uh, I, I certainly don't have it on my TV. I'd rather watch Total Divas than that friggin' movie. He, he, they shouldn't have done the heel turn. That's no right good show. Yes, it is. That's something we do agree on. To- now you got me off track as you talk. <laughs> Sorry about it, Dave. I wouldn't. I, I would hate to interrupt you. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Anyhow, Jesus Christ! I, I don't even know what I want to say now. Bottom line is, they got to figure out something that they're going to do with him. I think the best thing to, to for him personally, where he excelled the most, in my opinion, was his tag team with John Morrison. If they were to bring back John Morrison and bring them back as a tag team, I think they would add some definite juice and credibility even more to the tag team division in WWE. That's where I think they should put them in. And if not there, they should have them sell popcorn or do or sell those stupid, uh, do the stupid uh, shop zone uh, sales pitches that they do. Have them do that every week for all I care. Oh, dude, no, speaking of that, odd, though, like, wait, awesome. can we get off topic a little bit? How bad was that R-Truth uh, sell job? So it was bad. You know, it's uh, R-Truth did... That- Oh, sorry, go ahead. Who is turn with you, Dave? Go ahead, Dave. That, that and Great Khali, oh, my God. Like, I understand you got nothing for these guys to do. Like, are, are we going to have a match where it's going to be a battle royal to determine who's the best salesman in WWE <laughs> at WrestleMania? Like, we're going to have I, I think so. The pre-show match, the, 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 the top 20 guys on the roster that sold the most friggin' John Cena skateboards are going to be in a battle world to determine who's the greatest salesman in the history of WWE. It's only once in a lifetime. You know, it seems like it, I, I, I understand they got, they're trying to put guys on the show because they have nothing for them to do. Um, even though they got like a million hours of content they can have them do, they got them on YouTube, they got them on Main Event, Saturday Morning Slam, if that show still even exists. And superstars and NXT, they got them all over the place. But then when you put them on the main show, they give them something stupid to do. So, yeah, but that was it. that was awful. The R-Truth one was awful. The Kali one was awful. I can't even remember if there was a good one. Like honestly, where, where was their where was their good one that they had? Or the guys pitching? Zack Ryder's are stupid. They're all stupid. Forget that. They, they all sucked. I agree, but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about the Survivor Series. And we're, talking, we're moving on with it. We're talking about the Survivor Series. And I'll tell you right now, the match I liked last night was Natalia putting the sharpshooter on AJ. And, uh, well, Tamina, then AJ. And um, that should set up for something because I think Natalia is talented and I think she should get the push and I think she should be the next women's champion. Um, I think that's what I think. Bring. I mean, I think that's a, a good point. I mean, look, and we're not going to lie, nobody – you know, really, I mean, real wrestling fans are not looking forward to the Divas match. Uh, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was an entertaining matchup. I thought, uh, 
you know, most of the ladies uh, in the match delivered. Uh, the, the eliminations happened quickly. Um, Summer Rae made so, me laugh last night with her dancing. Yes. But, uh, you know, and, and honestly, I'll give uh, even JoJo a little bit of credit. Like, she didn't get a lot of offense in, but she did a real nice job at, at, at selling her, her beating. But I got to be honest, out of, out of everything, you know, I thought the match was entertaining. I, I, I agree with you. Like, seeing Natalia getting the win there, getting the uh, Divas champ to tap out uh, was a really good move uh, creatively. But Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, Eva Marie, if you don't, if they don't get her in a ring training with the right person, for the love of God, just take her out of the ring. She, she is, is training. Not... She was training with oh. Natty's husband. What was that? She was training with Natty's husband. Then find someone else to train with because, or make her a valet. Hey, by the way, you know why JoJo didn't get offense in? She doesn't train either, JoJo, whatever. Yeah, but JoJo at least looked like she knew what she was doing. Eva Marie was awesome. I'm surprised they let JoJo out of study hall to have the match last night. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Dave. She looks like she's 12. Yeah. yeah. She, she, I agree. Um, moving on from this debacle, uh, the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the championship matches were good. As predicted, I said last night that I didn't think that any of the championship match, the championship belts would change hands. Um, and then all the stuff that happened after the Survivor Series, I think Orton versus Cena should happen at the Royal Rumble because it would make sense, um, because it wouldn't make sense if they did it at WrestleMania because all these guys are vying for a chance to go to WrestleMania and face the champion. So I think at the Royal Rumble it should be John Cena versus Randy Orton for the titles if they're going to do something about it or whatever, they're going to split the titles up. I mean, I hope they don't do that because that would just suck in my opinion. And I know you guys are high on it, but I'm not. Yeah, I mean, respect your opinion. I mean, we, we kind of want to see a unification. Uh, um, why, why don't, yeah, right. why don't I agree. you want to see it? Right. I, I wouldn't want to see it because I think it takes away um, from a match, I think. I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to see it. Also, you guys were talking before, Dave. You were talking about um, how WWE, you know, here's the show. If you're listening in Stanford, you said, here's what I got for you, Dave. You know, Dave, you're a good guy. I like you. I respect you. But I'll tell you this. You've been challenged to wrestler matches, right, by people, by, by, by ridiculous champions or whatever in the past. Here's what I'm proposing to you. BWO, if you're listening, and I know you are because you've got nothing better to do, BWO. Here's this. You... Represent Steve off. You bring him down to the ring with Bob off or hand off or whatever. And and it'll be a challenge. You don't get in the ring. You just bring him down to the ring. And I'll bring my man Magic. And I'll put Magic up against Steve off. And we'll see who who's the better man right there. So, I'll bring so Magic what does this down, have to do with Steve off but once and for all. And I'll prove to the world that Magic is the man again. But what, is it, what does that got to do with me? Because you're Steve Off, see, because you represent Steve Off, and you're such a big, like you say, you, you talk about Mark. You're a big Mark for Steve Off, and I'm a big Mark for Magic. You're a big Mark and, for everything, but go on. So are you, Dave, but I'll tell you this. I would put, I would put, and you know, the Ken Reedy Show presents Magic versus Steve Off, because I think Magic, 
is a better wrestler than Steve Ove will ever, ever be. Magic's a Hall of Famer. Magic's been in the WWE. Magic did everything that he had to he had to do in his wrestling career, and he's still doing it. That's what I think. And 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 and, and that's but that's the whole the whole deal, Dave, right there. And then when Steve Off goes down and I look at you and I say, see, I won my challenge. It's kind of like what Vince did with the 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 Battle of the Billionaires. That's my challenge. All right, we'll we'll see if the BWO is listening and and, uh, takes this challenge uh, into consideration. Uh, And it's no disrespect to Dave because I like Dave. But that's my challenge to Dave. Michael, Uh, I'll I'll see what I can do, Mike. Thanks for the call. We appreciate your... And I will see you guys we next have a week. And uh, let's watch some Monday Night Raw from my hometown, New York. Long Island, New York. Sounds good, man. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, thanks thank for you. Call. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, exactly. Take it easy. <laughs> wow, so, uh, yeah, we, we got some Survivor Series. And just when you think it's going to be kind of a normal run-of-the-mill call... As as Mike does, he kind of throws a swerve, and so it, a challenge for you to be in Steve Off's corner and uh, him in Magic's corner. Who knows if, if, what'll transpire here, and who knows who's listening to this? But I don't know if the powers of beer are listening. Make it happen. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. So coming out of Survivor Series, we have learned that number one, Roman Reigns and Big E are on the fast track to big time stardom. Number two, we've learned that right now in the WWE, mid-card is not a dirty word any longer. And the third thing, and perhaps the most important thing we learned coming out of Survivor Series, is that at least the seeds to WrestleMania 30 have firmly been planted, and we are well on our way to a unification bout Finally, fans have been calling for it for a long time. We have talked about it a few times on the show. Uh, Looking forward to it. For me, as a fan, I don't think there are two guys that represent this era of wrestling more than Orton and Cena. I think those are the two right guys to have a unification bout. Um, Now, are we leading towards a unification bout at WrestleMania? Or like Mike said, you know, the Royal Rumble you are tied to having a title shot. Do we see a unification bout at the Royal Rumble, and then the winner of the Rumble is challenging for the unified belt? Who knows, but the seeds are planted. By this time, 2014, it looks like there's going to be one championship belt in the WWE. I'm pretty excited about that. I think it's a great idea. It, it adds for me going into the end of this year and then heading into the real start of WrestleMania season, a lot of intrigue as far as how they're going to do that. But we finally saw that confrontation between two champions. I think we're going to get a unification bout sooner than later, but I am excited about this going towards WrestleMania 30, Dave. Yes, uh, I'd like to bring up two points that I just noticed uh, by doing a little research here on the show. First point, uh, Rick mentioned earlier that WWE.com was teasing a possible follow-up between Orton and Cena. That is true. They are also teasing a possible appearance by Vince McMahon, noting that Vince McMahon made his return to the WWE after the pay-per-view went off the air. So there might be some there might be some follow-up as to what took place last night. Even though Rick and what you described and what Rick described seemed to be a lot of comedy and a lot of drawn-out 
drama uh, from that angle last night that was in front of the live crowd, they might acknowledge it on television tonight. So I wanted to just point that out and also point out that we may see a follow-up from the stare-down that took place at the end between Orton and Cena. Second point I want to make, which is quite interesting, now that we're talking about the unification bout, uh, or the possible unification, I've heard rumors that it might just be a non-title champion versus champion match, which if that's the case and they've built up Orton and Cena to be respected WWE and world champion respectively, I think it would be, I don't think it would be a good idea. If you're going to build these two up, see who the better champion is, you might as well unify the championship. And I think it would be good if you unified the championship. Why? Because the guys who in the main event scene, who are left out of the title picture at the time being, you could always have them feud for the United States title or the Intercontinental title or even have them tag up with somebody and do a short-term run for a tag team title shot. I think if you spread out the talent all across the board around with the championships, it would make the one big title mean that much more. But I'm not opposed if they keep the two titles. Let's just put it that way. But here's the point I want to make. I'm sorry I keep going on. Former WWE writer, creative writer, Seth Mates is on Twitter, at Seth Mates. He writes, by the way, Nassau Coliseum, the site of tonight's hashtag Monday Night Raw, was the site of the last undisputed WWE championship match ever between The Rock and Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2002. The next night... They split the championships at Madison Square Garden in New York City. So timing maybe, the ironic, the history that's involved with the, the venues, what's going on here, what took place at the end of last night's Survivor Series, does that mean that maybe we see a title unification bout earlier? Or maybe maybe we see this buildup between Cena and Orton and the eventual unification bout start at the next pay-per-view, at the TLC pay-per-view. I did mention last night that December pay-per-views normally don't draw too well because it's around the holidays and Christmas time, and people try to save money so they can buy Christmas presents for their loved ones. Maybe adding the intrigue of doing Orton versus Cena, champion versus champion, in a non-title match at the TLC pay-per-view might get a few extra pay-per-view buy rates. And then whatever finish comes out of that, you can always go do a rematch possibly at WrestleMania 30. Yeah, I mean, there's so there's so much intrigue surrounding this, and and it gets you know I, I agree with you. I think it's silly, um, and, and if if they just go champion versus champion, and it's not a unification bout, I, I think they're kind of out of touch with what uh, fans want to see. I think any fan that that saw that confrontation last night is hoping finally that we have a unification. Um, and, and I think it's you know it's good on on the level that you know I think you know one champion. Uh, adds prestige to that belt. Uh, that belt becomes that much more important. And I think exponentially you wind up um, adding prestige to the other secondary belts once you eliminate a title. Um, you know, we've talked about a, a lot about the, making those secondary titles uh, mean a little bit more. And we've talked that the, the world championship, uh, up until now with John Cena, where it, it really adds some notoriety to that belt, that the world championship has almost become what the intercontinental championship was when we were growing up. Uh, you unify those belts. You, at this point, you, you kind of move that IC championship uh, back up to, at, at least perception-wise, where it used to be. 
Now you have a guy like Biggie Langston who looks like he's going to be a big star, an up-and-comer, a guy who we're expecting a lot of big things out of. You know, they unify these two championship belts. Now the IC title really means that much more. So I think there's a trickle-down effect by unification. Um, but the timeline, it, it's kind of weird to see or, or to speculate where exactly they're going to go with this. Do we, do we see a unification? I mean, I would be shocked. It would be awesome. I would be shocked if we see a unification bout tonight. Uh, who knows? I think it's something that you want to lead towards a pay-per-view. Do they have a champion versus champion match tonight in a non-title capacity leading towards a, a um, unification bout? Who knows? I, I think it's, it's a, you know, good points that Mike was saying, you know, maybe it's not a unification bout at WrestleMania. Um, maybe you do see something at the next pay-per-view or Royal Rumble. Um, but it does add a lot of intrigue surrounding these belts. Um, but if you, Dave, I'm curious, like if you were going to book it, if you were going to, you know, you had your druthers and you were going to put it together and you're going to put Cena and, and Randy Orton, you're going to unify that title. Uh, you know, when, when would you do it and, and how would you do it? That's kind of tricky, especially with the way they booked it last night. I mean, last night, part of me would, part of me would, wait till WrestleMania to do it. Part of me would, part of me would have, you know, Vince, it, it, it all have to tie in with Vince because at the end of the day, it ends with Vince. You know, Vince is the one that, you know, started this whole thing 30 years ago, but with the way that they ended it last night, it almost makes you want to see it, see the match take place soon. At the same time though, if they really want to get their money's worth, they would pull it away from us tonight on raw and then come back to it later in a few months during the WrestleMania season push. And then maybe they have Vince come out and talk about 30 years of WrestleMania, the biggest WrestleMania in the history of WWE. And, you know, we've seen the world champion in the past, uh, you know, uh, 12 years uh, come to come to rise, and we brought that title back to prestige, and we have the WWE championship, but now we're moving towards the future of the WWE. One company, one champion. And maybe they announce that, you know, the world champion and the WWE champion are, um, are whatchamacallit, uh, you know, going to face it off at WrestleMania, whoever that champion is, but the winner of the Royal Rumble gets the title shot at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Or they just do... Um, the Rumble win. I mean, I don't know. I, I'd have to really sit down and think about it, but I would do it at WrestleMania, if personally, in my opinion. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame them if they did something earlier, like at next month's pay per view at TLC um, between the two. Maybe it kind of give you a little teaser, so to speak. Like I said, because they're, they're trying to get extra pay per view buys because December is a down month for pay per views. So I, I would kind of wait. I mean, I'd have to see. You know what? How about this? Next week, I will, I will think about this throughout the week. Next week, I'll come back to you guys on this one. And I'll, I'll, I'll try and draw something out here as to how we would book a unification match with whoever it is. I, I mean, and I do think it's interesting that, you know, whether, whether we see the unification bout, uh, if, if they, like, drag this on, allow it to develop, I mean, they can pull away and come back, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's real easy. You know, you had the confrontation last night. You could have Monday Night Raw, you know, start off with the authority and Orton in the, in the ring, and at some point while they're talking about beating the big show, Mark Henry's music starts, and you just kind of 
you know, you teased it last night, and, and then you kind of you start a short-term program with, with Orton and, and uh, uh, Mark Henry. You know, you can go in that direction, and, and it'll just kind of be hanging there. So you definitely could do uh, right by the fans and pull away by it and still have substantial storylines going into the next pay-per-view and leading up to Royal Rumble. And then, like you're saying, Dave, come back to it, uh, lead up to WrestleMania. Um, or, you know, do they do it sooner? And, and uh, you know, I think it's got a lot of wrestling fans excited. I think a lot of fans that thought that maybe Survivor Series was, uh, you know, not a great pay-per-view, that that was the most exciting, um, you know, aspect of it. The fact that we might be looking at a unified WWE champion uh, at, at least, uh you know, within the next few months. So uh, it, it, it offers a lot of speculation. As a fan, it, it's fun to kind of speculate and start to get your fantasy book hat on, uh, you know, and uh, try to think exactly how they're going to do do this. Uh, do we look at, at the WWE and does, does this become a trend? Do we uh, see them unify the WWE Championship and the World Championship? And do we see them unify the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title? Do we see some more uh, champion versus champion matches aside from uh, Orton and Cena. I'd be curious to see if uh, they go down that route. I think the the one thing that I'd be curious about with the WWE is they've made such a big deal uh, over the you know past number of years that the winner of the Royal Rumble uh, gets their shot at WrestleMania, gets their shot at the the champion. Um, now, do like how do they they work that? Do they pull away from this? and have one of the champions and or both champions in the Rumble, having one of the champions win, and then challenges for the other belt. Uh, you know, I'd rather them not go into a uh, triple threat scenario where you have champion versus champion and then uh, another, uh, another contender in the mix. I'd rather see champion versus champion, and, and that's it. Um, but there's a lot I got of... an idea. I, I got an idea. What if they, did, what if they announced that they were going to unify the championships and the winner of the Royal Rumble gets to choose which champion he faces at WrestleMania. And then the winner of the Elimination Chamber will face the champion that hasn't been chosen. You have the two title matches. The winner of each match at the end of WrestleMania faces off for the the unification bout. Yeah, so that's not a bad idea. So you got guys wrestling uh, twice in one night. Uh, That can make for a very... entertaining and and they're really pushing right now uh you know the wwe app has the picture of cena and and orton holding up their their belts i mean there's definitely i mean i would be really surprised i mean they they could go in that direction they could go in the direction of hey we're just gonna have orton and cena wrestle each other they happen to be two champions uh but their titles are not going to be on the line but i i would think uh, you know, there are a lot smarter people working in the WWE than, than myself that you'd really, really be missing the boat as far as what you can do with unifying this championship. If you're, if you're not intending on unifying them, I think you keep these two guys separate. They've had them out there. They, they challenged, uh, you know, John Cena basically laid down the gauntlet. I, I think right now you're looking at a, a unification bout. Uh, I, I, you know, I would be shocked if we don't see that coming down the pike, but you know, now it's time for all us fans to start, like, sitting back, looking what's going on, and uh, start fantasy booking as far as how they're going to go with the next few pay-per-views. 
uh, how they're going to go forward towards WrestleMania. But I think, you know, as we looked at last night and uh, we talked about, you know, look, was it a world-changing pay-per-view? Absolutely not. Uh, was it a, a great pay-per-view that you had to, as soon as it ended, uh, jump on the phone and, and call your friend and say, oh, my God, I can't believe you missed this? No, it wasn't. Uh, was it a good pay-per-view? Yeah. Uh, were you entertained for three hours? I was. Uh, I, I you know, can't say that I was you know, overly disappointed. And, and you know, maybe it's because I, I didn't think the build was that great, so my expectations were low, but... I was okay with the, with the pay-per-view. I, I thought, uh, you know, it was good. It was entertaining. I don't think we got any clunkers as far as the matches last night. Some were very good. Uh, you know, some were okay. But I don't think you, you saw any matches last night that, that sucked. I get the grading harshly because it is one of the big four. So I understand that maybe you expect a little bit more out of Survivor Series that you didn't get last night. However, as as we break down what happened last night, and we look forward to Monday Night Raw. I don't think we can overstate that, you know, three very important things happened last night. And with, with the landscape of the WWE and professional wrestling as, as a whole. And those three things are the fact that Reigns and Biggie Langston are big-time stars coming down the pike. And, and you know, things are only going to get bigger for those guys. Uh, Mid-card. No longer an insult, no longer a dirty word. In fact, there's enough talent on that roster right now where people are competing just to get on the pay-per-view card. Very excited that, you know, there are guys on the roster now that are going to steal the show in the mid-card. Mid-card is no longer a dirty word. And we're seeing right now the seeds for WrestleMania 30 are being planted. They are starting to flourish. And we're looking at, if not a unification bout at WrestleMania 30, we're looking for the unification of those titles to be an important aspect heading into WrestleMania 30. So as much as maybe it was not the greatest, you know, knock it out of the park kind of pay-per-view, I do think there were some important important things that were definitely established last night, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to, especially with WrestleMania and the, the, the milestone event that it's going to be this year being the 30th one, or I should say next year, you had to at least um, start to uh, plant some seeds in the fans' minds of what you could possibly expect. And who knows? Maybe Randy Orton and John Cena will take place at WrestleMania, but there won't be any championships on the line. Maybe they won't even be champions. I mean, you, you, you brought it up earlier. Those two guys represent what this era of wrestling has been about for the last 12 years. And coming up at WrestleMania, that those two – Heads are going to collide, John Cena, or at least that's what we think. That's what we're speculating. So, Randy Orton and John Cena doesn't need a championship behind it. It adds more to it, and it makes it even more important. But if you just did Orton and Cena to talk about who the face of the WWE is, that would be a big storyline without the championships, and it would. And I'd be okay with it. Um, adding, like I said, adding the championships makes it more important and adds more meaning to it. And that both of them have dominated the main event scene for the better part of the last, I would say, you know, eight, nine years or so. So it would make sense that this milestone WrestleMania at 30, that these two would be involved in a big match, and then now it's possibly against each other. Maybe they split them up, and maybe they do Cena against a Daniel Bryan and a Randy Orton against a CM Punk, two guys who are – 
I wouldn't say groomed to be in the next spot where Orton and Cena are, but they're like a, they're they're just a step under them in terms of of star power and popularity and where they are in the pecking order of the roster. So it would almost be like the internet's guy versus the company's guy in both respective matches if they were to do something like that. But I think they want to add some star power and some notoriety and credibility to the match. So by having Orton and Cena against each other, whether it's a title or not, it's still a big deal. Although they have wrestled seven times in the last six years on pay-per-view. Go figure. So that, that, that average is about once a year. But then again, 2009, they wrestled four times on pay-per-view against each other in a, in a very heated rivalry. There's history between the two of them. It would make sense if they were involved with each other at WrestleMania. Bottom line, whether they're in a match together or not, they're going to be a part of the show in a big way, one way or another. So, you know, obviously we're looking forward to seeing, you know, what what goes on as far as these two individuals. Do we see uh, the unification bout? tonight or do we see them start to move forward with it or do they back away from it uh what is is there anything else going into monday night raw tonight that you're really looking forward to as far as uh storyline development um well that and the uh the roman reigns i mean is is he gonna start breaking off from the shield are we gonna start seeing some dissension are they gonna capitalize on his momentum after what he did last night i just read a stat a survivor series stat that roman reigns is tied for most eliminations in a single survivor series elimination match with four eliminations i think he goes along with like undertaker or diesel or something like that so He's got a lot of momentum on his side. I'm looking forward to, to, to where they're going to go with him and if they're going to start the tease of the breakup of the Shield or is it just going to be business as usual. But that's what I'm looking forward to the most other than this Cena-Orton uh, situation. And maybe Vince, if they, if they decide Vince is going to come back or not. Yeah, I'm curious about that. One thing I'm also real curious about is what exactly we're going to see out of the Wyatts. And, again, it's, it's interesting as we talk about the development of the mid-card. Um, you know, it, was that the end uh, last night? Are we going to see uh, CM Punk and Daniel Bryant moving on to other things? Or are we going to see a continuation uh, with the Wyatts going after those two? Uh, speculation surrounding the Wyatts, uh, you know, perhaps an additional member at some point. So, you know, the Wyatts suffer a loss last night. I'm really curious to see where exactly they're going to go with that faction and where exactly CM Punk and Daniel Bryant are going to wind up for the time being. Obviously, I think they'll... They'll be in the main event picture again at some point in the future, but uh, where are they going as far as right now with their relationship with the Wyatts? You guys, thank you all for tuning in. we got 10 seconds left for Dave. I am Ken. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next Monday. Go over to the Facebook and vote for Female Wrestler of the Year. Take care, everybody. Enjoy Raw.